0: Nexus Church is all about cultivating an authentic Christian community where old and young alike journey with Jesus and are transformed by the gospel. May we be challenged and inspired by the power of his word. Good to see you all. How are we going? Feeling relaxed? Feeling good? Can we thank the worship team? Fantastic job, guys, as always. Alright, you're welcome to grab your seat. I feel like it's only fitting because Pastor Beck shared her shared her story of skydiving, I should share mine quickly and it's a little bit different to yours cuz it happened out in rural New South Wales, so it's it's not so stringent around red tape and those kind of things. We were doing it as a fundraiser and I was able to go out to this little airport and we hopped on a plane that I think was just kind of retrofitted, it used to be a crop duster and we hopped in it and I had my guy that was my my instructor and he looked like what you would expect an instructor to look like uh, out in the middle of a paddock and uh, he took me onto the plane and it was me and two other people and we were definitely too heavy for this plane and so it's it's going up and and we're going up and it's, it's feeling a little sketchy at this point and then he tells me at this point, I have to climb out onto the wing before we can actually release ourselves because it didn't have a big, you know how normally they have the big doors and you you feel like you're a Navy SEAL about to jump off. This was like a, a, little, a little plane that they do that and you have to then hug the wing. And I'm like, I'm ready, mate. Let's do this dance. And so I was hooked into him, but he had it all the way out. And so I had to climb out holding the wing. He then goes, all right, ready, pulls himself in close to me and then just drags me off the wing. And uh, needless to say, I learnt the reality of skydiving. And it was no longer just a concept for me. So I, I really love that, that story and that idea of something that was a concept that it's now a reality. And it's kind of a bit of what we're touching on tonight. We're continuing our series of To the Ends of the Earth. And uh, I've really enjoyed this series so far. We had Wayne and check with us last week and uh, really fantastic to hear their story and a bit of what's going on for them. Uh, and we need to, as a church, continue to pray for them. They don't just come along one week and we go, hurrah, well done, let's continue to pray for them, let's continue to uphold them and, and continue to support them and, and their whole situation there. Uh, we also had a couple of weeks before that, Pastor Nathan shared the idea that mission is not destination focused, mission is people focused, it's not about the people at the end, it's about people along the way. And I kind of want to build on that a little bit tonight, and it's not just about knowing that there's people along the way, but it's knowing the message that we're all called to carry. And the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to have a look at two different people in the Old Testament, and uh, basically it was their calling. And so it was the calling of Isaiah and the calling of Jeremiah. Before we jump into that, what, what kind of, I guess, sparked this idea as a series is Acts 1.8, and it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So before we get going, I just want to point out something really simple. In that verse there, it says, Jerusalem, and Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I feel like often when we read this, we read it as, or, Jerusalem, or Judea and Samaria, or to the ends of the earth. If we were to read it in our context, it would be Brisbane, or Queensland, or globally, but it's an end. You see, it's not saying that you have a specific area that you're called to. We are called to all people wherever we go to, and we're called to be witnesses. And so, tonight, as we unpack these two these two passages, uh, so we're looking at Jeremiah. So, Jeremiah was in a pretty tumultuous time. His people, they, they kind of copped it pretty bad, and uh, rabbis call him the weeping prophet, which is really nice thing to be called but he was uh, he served all the way through that but he was faithful and he served faithfully and even in a time when when i guess that there was there was a lot of uh, opposition he knew he who he was serving so he was able to serve The other one is Isaiah, and Isaiah lived in a time of prosperity, so he he was under the King Uzziah, and he basically brought in this reign where they were prosperous, they were living good lives, the whole idea of faith was just a part of their everyday, and so they didn't really feel like they had to have that personal experience, because it was just something they did. They'd go to the temple, they'd say the right words, they'd be there at the right time, do the right things, and then go home and continue on their way. can sound a little similar to sometimes our context, I'd say, if I was to be completely honest. And Isaiah was then, he was in that kind of environment, he was also called. So let's jump into the passages, and then, uh, and then we'll go on from there, because that's the way that talking works. All right, so Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. And I've got to say, this is one of my favourite passages in the whole of Scriptures. I think it's just the most amazing picture. In the year that King Uzziah died, I'm just saying Uzziah, I don't know the right way to say it, Uziah, Uzziah, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple above him was seraphim each with six wings with two wings they covered their their faces with two they covered their feet and with two they were flying and they were calling to one another holy 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 is the lord almighty the whole earth is full of his glory notice that they weren't calling it out to god they were calling it out to one another i think that's a really interesting piece as we worship that we encourage one another We'll keep going. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, very specific. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. This is what Beck was touching on, just out of worship. If you've come here and you feel like you're carrying sin, Jesus wants to take that away from you. He wants to carry that. He's telling you you've been forgiven. He wants to be that atonement, and He already has been that atonement for your sin. And then in verse 8 it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? and I said, here I am, send me. I think one of the most powerful couple of sentences in the Bible, here I am, send me. All right, now let's jump across to Jeremiah. I'm sorry, I'm reading lots of big, no, I'm not sorry, it's good. Jeremiah 1, 4 to 10, it says this, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I've commanded you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth and said to me, I've put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Let's pray together before we get into the message tonight. Holy Spirit, you're so welcome here. Lord, come and uh, open our hearts that, that we would see what your word wants to teach us today. Lord, that, that we would be so open to your voice and what it's calling us to, and, and God, I just, I just pray that, that as these words are spoken, that, Lord, it is You that does the speaking. Lord, that, that You would open our ears and open our hearts, that we would know You more. We praise You, Jesus. Amen. Now, you might be wondering why I've decided to do two different passages, because I, I could just do Isaiah, and that's a, an amazing passage, and I love that one, but I feel like often we can fall in the trap of feeling like we need to prescribe to a text, we feel like going, that is the text, that's the way to do it. So, if I want to be called, if I want to have a, an amazing life of mission, because that's what we're speaking about, I need to have an Isaiah moment in the temple. And that's why I decided to, to kind of pull the Jeremiah one in it as well, because both of these men were called, both of these men were in different times, but both of these men were asked to carry the same message, and this is something that I think is really important for us to grab a hold of, and I mentioned it earlier, the reason that's it's not an or is because I don't actually feel like, for a lot of the time, God doesn't have a specific group He wants us to reach. I feel like He has a specific message He wants you to carry, and that's your version of the gospel that you've seen in your own life. And this is what we see with both of these two guys. So firstly, I want to have a look. There's Straight off the bat, there's something for both of them that was a real barrier. It was a a barrier to them being able to, uh, I guess, carry this message and speak the message. And it's a barrier that you and I all face. As soon as we talk around mission, as soon as we talk around speaking the gospel and carrying a message, the the first thing that goes into our brain is our barrier. For each of us, it's it's a different thing. But there's always something we're like, I can't do that because... So, for Isaiah, it was because he felt he was, or he had a guilty conscience. And for Jeremiah, he said he was too young or he, he didn't have the words to speak. I think a time that I've seen this is, uh, I think one of the hardest things to do in life is apply for a job. Because you hop on Seek, you look at what they're asking of you, and straight away you see, I don't have that, I don't have that. I don't have that, and you start to disqualify yourself. I, I'm telling you, every job I have gotten, I don't think I've ever gotten a job from an add-on Seek. I've always gotten it because I've either known, this sounds really bad, but I've kind of known the person and they know you, and then, then you're kind of a walking resume. You don't have to kind of puff up your resume and, and make it something that it's, that it's not really. I feel like at times we can do this with sharing our faith we kind of go, I don't have that. I don't have the words to say. Or maybe the people that I'm with, they don't need to hear it. Maybe they're already Christians. Or maybe it's that I'm a bit afraid of speaking to people. But we've got these barriers to sharing our faith. And this is what Jeremiah did. He had a legitimate reason to say that he did not have the words to speak. He was being called to speak to all these different people groups that all spoke different languages. Fair enough. I don't have the words to share. But God comes and He steps in. I'm not sure whether I want to go to this bit or not. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. It's easy when we look at something like this to think that Jeremiah is being Modest. You know, he's being. there's almost this, this humility to him. He's like, oh, I'm, t- I'm too young. I don't have the words to speak. I'm... He's trying to be modest. But if we hold on to the promises that God has for us, is that modesty or is it actually a lack of faith? Because the message that we're called to carry is the message of the gospel. This is a message that it doesn't rely on you and I. It doesn't rely on what we do. What it relies on is scriptures like in 2 Corinthians 12.9 that says, but my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Can I tell you that God is not limited by your weakness? He is not limited by the thing that you feel is a barrier. So for Jeremiah, he thought he was too young. You are not too young he felt he didn't have the words to speak, he will give you the words to speak. Our whole team here, I can tell you, we live this. We all live this. We know we could go through every reason that we are disqualified to do this job. I could tell you, I'm, I'm definitely not the most eloquent person on team. I'm a country boy from a small town, from a small church. I freak out when I'm speaking in front of big groups of people. This is nerve-wracking for me. But that can't be a barrier, because God is made true in our, in our weakness, and His power is found in our weakness. If, if I was just a good speaker, this would have less power, right? If I was just a polished speaker, like these TED Talks you look at, and, and this is, like, Instagram's great, but you can scroll through it, and you can go, I will never match up to that. And straight away, you just disqualify yourself, and you say, I'm not going to engage, because I could never be that. But that's not what we're called to do. Despite your weakness, allow him to come through and show his power. You see, the first thing that, I, that Jeremiah did, he ultimately doubted his ability, and he also doubted God's choice, because the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and so he doubted why God was picking him. Then we moved to Isaiah. He had a bit of a different go. So remember, he was, he was in the temple. He's doing the right thing. He was there and he was saying the right words and going through the motions. But then he had a realisation that he was a man of unclean lips. I feel like he had the realisation that God had become a concept to him, that God had become this thing out there and he would just kind of roll through the things, say what he needed to, Go through the motions. But then God reaches out. And then the tongues come and and his and his lips are cleansed. Ultimately, Isaiah had a guilty conscience. And this is the thing that really I feel like can be a big barrier for all of us. Is we're like, I'm not worthy to do those things. Why would God use me? I'm a sinful man. I've got these things. If you knew what was going on, you would not be calling me but God has a way, again. In Romans 8, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, Isaiah had a guilty conscience and he doubted his his integrity, but when you are called, your past does not disqualify you. And someone needs to hear that tonight. Your past does not disqualify you from being called to carry this message. So I need to ask you, what is that thing in your own life that you feel like is a barrier? What's the thing that is stopping you carrying this message? This whole idea of to the ends of the earth is that we carry the gospel message and that we walk with it and we, we speak it to those we come in contact with. What is the barrier? Because I can tell you, that barrier might actually be the very thing that God wants to use to bring people into His kingdom. And so be willing to say, this is the thing. Jeremiah was pretty straight up. I'm too young, I don't have the words. But God's like, no, it's cool. I'll give you the words. I don't care how old you are. You'll carry my message. You can carry it well. So that's the first first barrier or the barrier for for many of us. So now I just want to jump into, as I said, the message that we're all called to carry. And I did say, I feel like all of us have a specific message or a specific version of the same message uh, for the people we come in contact with. And that message is this. We all need to be ruined. Cool. We all need to be ruined. This is pretty confronting. The um. I'm just going to jump into a story here because this will help illustrate it. A couple of weeks ago, um, we did a first aid course um, here at church, and and those who were on the course will probably know where I'm leading with this. We um basically you you do as you all know for first aid, you have to do practical things. You have to do compressions on Terry the torso. He liked to call it Harry the half-human, but I prefer Terry torso. It's a little bit better. Whenever I see those things, I just think of Dwight cutting off its face on the office. <laughs> it's very good. But anyway, as we were getting ready, I was, I was partnered up with, with Christian and we got our little torso. We were kind of near James. Who was with you? Who was your part? Stevie Jackson. Yeah, that was really good. Thanks, Steve. Um, and so, we put our torso on the ground and... Um, I can't remember the guy's name that was leading it, but he was nice enough. And he's like, now you need to start doing your compressions. And so I was like, yeah, sweet, let's get into this. And I I leant down too quickly. And there's certain noises that you can hear in a a big room of people that you don't want to (laughs) hear. I heard the noise, and Pastor James heard the noise, my pants, in the words of Isaiah, had become holy, 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 right around the groin. And so I'm in this room and I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't, I don't, I don't, like, I don't like being seen. My, my dream is to be swallowed up into a little shadow somewhere and hide in a back corner. And so I'm kneeling on the floor in front of this torso, thinking I've got to revive this guy, but I just want to stitch up my pants. And I'm I'm there ready to do compressions and James is of course loving it because he's like, Oh, I can see that your pants are ripped. There's aircon where there's not meant to be aircon. And and essentially my jeans were ruined. And I'm sitting there and I, I did my compressions because I, I you know, you have to do the course. And then I say to to old mate who's running it, I'm like, I'm really sorry, but I've ripped my pants. I need to go change my pants. And I thought I'd gotten away with it. I thought, no one knows, we're all good. And then Pastor James decides to pipe up and go, where are you going, Andy? You're going to change your pants. And I was going to change my pants. And this idea of something being ruined, so these, these jeans were cheap jeans. Rebought for them from some cotton-on factory for 20 bucks. And jeans, let me tell you, you get what you pay for with jeans. If you get cheap jeans, they're going to rip. Guys, don't get cheap jeans. It's not worth it. Yeah, thank you. Um, And so I knew that these jeans were ruined, but I'm also a cheapskate. If I've got one pair of jeans that works, I'm not buying another pair of jeans. But this allowed me, because those ones were ruined, I'm like, okay, I can go get other jeans. Yeah, oh yeah, I did. I got them from lost property, some kid from youth. How you lose (laughs) pants? How you lose pants at youth? I have no idea. But one Friday night, apparently there's a kid rolling around with no pants on. (laughs) Luckily, there are 34 waist and they fit beautifully. So, thank you wherever you are, little angel youth child. So, this is, and this is only part of the message that we're meant to carry. But we all need to be ruined all of us need to be ruined. This happened in a moment for Isaiah when he saw the seraphim flying around and they said, holy, holy, holy. You're never going to read those verses the same, are you? Holy, holy, holy. It's worth mentioning really quickly here, that is the only time in all of the Old Testament that there's a, a triple repeat. The reason for this is it's not holy plus holy plus holy. Holy, exponentially, holy exponentially holy. So in their language, if something was big, they would say it was big. If something was just massive beyond belief, it would be big, big. It's the same way in, in Wagga. The Wiradjuri people, their language, Wagga means land of the crow. Wagga, Wagga means land of many crows. Wagga, Wagga, Wagga is our pavilion. It's, it's horrible. Thank you. Yes, yes. Anyway, so what Isaiah has realized at this moment is God is not a bigger version of people. He's not a better version of humanity. God is just so far beyond our understanding and such a superior being that He cannot be just a concept. And when Isaiah sees this, he goes, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. I've been focused on me. I've been going through the motions. And he is completely flattened. You know, the word here for ruined is dama, And this word can be translated a few ways. And it kind of ties in with Jeremiah's thing. It can be translated as destroy, tear down, cease to be. So in verse 10 of Jeremiah's calling, it says, See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and plant. Do you know we have a ministry of letting people know they need to be ruined? Ugh, It's really uncomfortable. But the only reason we can carry that message is because it happens with us first. And a ruining is actually a really great thing. You see, with those jeans I was wearing with a hole in them, if I went and bought a new set of jeans and just wore them over the top of those jeans, that would be unbelievably uncomfortable. When something is ruined, you have a fresh slate. You have a fresh start. And that's what God wants with you. Because you see at the end of Jeremiah's bit, it's uproot, tear down, destroy, and overthrow. But then look at that last little sentence to build and to plant. He's doing a knockdown rebuild of our lives. And that's what we're called to carry. We get to do that. And so I want to ask you tonight has God just become a concept? Is he something that you just kind of go through the motions? Here's the way you would know if he's a concept. He's a concept if he agrees with all of the things you think, if he's just a bigger version of you that says the same things that you say. God as a reality will absolutely contradict many of the things you say, many of the ways you live, but he has a better way for you to do it. And this is what He wants for us. He wants for us to know that He is real and He wants us to have a real encounter with Him. It's important to know that God's grace doesn't hurt us. As I, as I talk about this, it can, it can kind of feel like I'm saying, God wants to ruin us. He wants to destroy us and He's going to hurt me. God's grace heals you. That's what it comes in and does. It levels it out and then He starts to build again and He starts to build you up again. I know this is true in my own life. I had a moment where I felt ruined. I felt completely flattened. It was after I did my knee, I'd been dealing with my anxiety and I was like, I'm done. I've got nothing else to offer. And in that moment, I felt like God started rebuilding and it was a long process but He had a level to work off because He'd removed the old me. He'd removed the ego. He'd removed the... The, I guess the, the facade that I was living is like, no, nah, we can start again, we can do this, I can build you up, I can make you into something great. Not for me, but for Him. And here's what's good, God doesn't leave us in a ruined state. And this is, this is the second part of what we need to carry. See, often we like to do just the second part or just the first part, but we need both of these part of the message. And these are the messages that we need to see in our own life. He gives us a fresh set of genes. How good's that? When he ruins us, when we feel ruined, he's like, I've got something fresh for you. I've got something new to give you. You know, when God calls you to do something, he's going to give you everything you need to do what he's called you to do. You know, for, for Jeremiah, he said, I don't have the words. So what did God do? He came and touched his mouth and gave him all the words he needed. For Isaiah, said, I'm ruined, I'm a man of unclean lips, as if I can carry this message. So what, is, what happens is the seraphim flies over to the altar and cleanses his mouth and says, you are now clean, your sin is atoned for. You know, Jeremiah's given a, a, another promise in his calling, he says, he, he says don't be afraid so, God says, do not be afraid to him and if we were to do a kind of a personality assessment, I'll invite the team to come join me. If we were to do a kind of a personality assessment of Jeremiah, we'd probably say that he was anxious and fearful as a guy. He was, he was afraid, he was constantly afraid and he was constantly anxious. As soon as the, the living God has just spoken to him and said, I want to use you, I know you, I formed you and his response is, I'm too young and I don't have the words But he doesn't stop at do not be afraid. So that's not what it's about. He then goes further and he says, for I am with you and will rescue you. And I love that phrase because you know what that says to to Jeremiah? You're going to need rescuing. I'm going to put you in situations where you need me to come through and pull you out of it. I'm going to put you in situations that you are outside your comfort zone and you need me to supernaturally do my thing. Do you know we are all called to be in situations where we rely on God to step in and intervene. This to the ends of the earth, borders are open. We can travel again. And I want to encourage you, young adults especially, if you feel like there's a bit of a tug on your heart and you're like, maybe, maybe missions is for me, go do it. Go live. Go carry the message of the gospel. Get out there. That's what we're meant to do. But you can also do that here. You can do that here in Brisbane. You can do that wherever you go, because it's, it's not about the destination, but it's about the message that you're carrying. You know, that promise, what that, that shows to me, it's like when you say to your child, you can jump from there, I'll catch you. When you are that child and you're perched up on that, whatever is a tree or something, a roof... And your dad or your mom says, jump, I can catch you. You just trust them. You know they're going to catch you. And this is what God is saying to Jeremiah. He's like, don't be afraid. I will rescue you. I will catch you. This is a promise. I'm promising to be there for you. I'm promising to pull you through this. And this is the message that we are sent with. And so why don't you jump to your feet? I want to remind you again about Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you know, I think a lot of the time, the reason we struggle to share the gospel is because we try to put words and concepts to it. But you're called to be witnesses, we're all called to be witnesses. That means we're called to share the thing that we've lived out. We're, we're called to share the reality of our life being turned around for him. It needs to happen with us first. We all need to be ruined. We all need to be leveled out so that he can once again start building. And then as he builds us, we get to carry that message. We get to carry it and share it with anyone we come in contact with. Can I tell you, when you tell someone that you got flattened, but then God picked you up and rebuilt you, they're not going to feel judged. They're going to ask more questions. They're going to want to push in closer. They're going to want to push in deeper and say, how do I have that? Because I've been living a life where I'm just doing it by myself. And we can then let them know Jesus has done it for you as well. He's made a way for you in the same way that that seraphim flew over and touched Isaiah's lips and cleansed him, that's what Jesus has done for us. He carried our sin. He carried our shame to the cross willingly so that it would be taken there and we don't have to carry it anymore. And so for all that stuff, whatever it is that you're carrying, exactly like Pastor Beck said, just hand it to him. Let him take it away from you you will feel exposed. And I need to let you know that. When you hand this stuff over and when you take down the facade, you feel exposed. But it's so worth it. Because the one that is there beside you is the one that can carry all of it. And as he re- rebuilds you and as he, as he heals you, you then get to carry this to everybody that you speak with. Now, we've been singing that song, I Belong to Jesus. Jesus. And this is our message. You know, we don't, we don't come here and Jesus is not a concept. Jesus is a reality. It's a reality that, that he came down to earth to carry our sin, but he was not kept down in death. He rose again. And this is why we attach ourselves to him. This is why we put our belief in him, because in him we have new life. And so we're going to sing this song again just as we close and I really want you, as you sing this, just allow it to be a heart cry. Allow your heart to to once again say, Lord, I belong to you. My story is your story. I have been rebuilt because of your goodness. Jesus, you invited us in. So as we sing it, just to allow the Holy Spirit to do that, I just encourage it, involve your heart. Don't just let it be lip service. That's what Isaiah was doing. He was just doing lip service. But when he encountered the reality of God, his life was changed forever. We hope this message encouraged or perhaps even challenged you in your Christian faith. Our pastors meet regularly with people to pray and support them and we extend this invitation to you. Please let us know if we can contact you to offer support. Simply call the office or visit nexuschurch.com.au.